0: give everybody out there listening a very warm white cat welcome because you're tuned in to the white cat outdoors podcast i'm not i'm not really sure what to do with my hands right now i haven't done this in so long Just keep, keep them, them at your, your sides side, frank okay keep them down um what's going on everybody this is white it's been a while i'm glad to be back and we got tom you haven't missed him what, at all what
1: episode are we frank
0: we are at one of those episodes. 44. Nope. <laughs> 42. 42. We are at episode... Four. I was gone for eight weeks, so you can't blame me.
1: Yeah. Actually, stats have gone through the roof.
0: Not surprised.
1: So, so who is here, Frank,
0: again? Tom's Did... here. Yes, I am. Yep. And you heard Nick being dumb over there. Yep. He's, he's... We're already here. Yep. And... Uh, for, for people that have new listeners, yeah, the guy that uh, brought you in there, that's... Uh... Big white,
1: Frank
0: old Myers. Old face, old, old news.
1: Face. Yeah. Just a guy we decided to have drop by the studio tonight. Yeah. Um, we're actually going to be talking all about him tonight. Frank, yeah. what, what, why have you been gone?
0: I was in Alaska, buddy.
1: For how long was it?
0: Oh, six and a half weeks-ish, six, six seven, seven weeks, something like that.
1: You so, say, yeah, you're gone eight weeks, but yeah. in the Alaskan bush for yeah, about six to seven weeks.
0: Yeah, it was a long time. But it was, so, it was good stuff. Loved good every stuff. second of it.
1: So uh, I guess first off, to set the, uh, set the scene, what were you doing up there? Who were you working with?
0: Uh, working for Alaska Lead Outfitters, and I was up there with my dad, obviously. And I'm working towards getting my guide license, which I can get it whenever I want. I just got to do all the paperwork and all that nonsense. So what are
1: you doing up there that is uh, helping you get your guide license?
0: going out hunting with other guides and you know packing meat and whatnot that sort of thing
1: okay so and it's like what like a two-year process or
0: it depends you can actually get it done in one year um if you work like in the spring and the fall you have to work for an outfitter for 30 days in one year or if you don't do it in one year it's 60 days over more than two years so it can be anywhere from a one-year process to a, you know, a five-year process. Is however long it takes you to get your time done.
1: Thirty days is the time, though.
0: If it's in one oh, year, oh, if and it's, then sixty. If it's more than two, yeah.
1: Okay, so yeah. you could potentially do like two-week trips for a couple of years and yeah, exactly. Out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you just went up for moose season, which is a, the moose season is ten days. If you just did that for however many years, then it would you. Six easier. years?
1: Yeah. If that's all you did was... Yeah.
0: If you just showed up the first day of moose season, left the last day, you get 10 days at a time.
1: So if you were to like... Well, I guess bear season's kind of before and after and during. Yeah. So you could easily get more... Like, oh, you, yeah. You, like you said, you were up there
0: for mm-hmm. yeah, basically bear season, 60 days. Yeah. Bear season starts August 19th or 20th. I can't remember which... And then it runs all the way through till after moose season. And then, you know, if you hunt in the springtime for brown bears, then you can get days in the, you know, it's the same uh, license year. So you can get days in the spring and in the fall.
1: Oh, I didn't, didn't realize that was that. Yeah. Makes sense, I guess, though. hmm So I know I personally, and I know, I don't know if Tom did, but I refrained from asking too many questions um, yeah, no, I was a little
0: heartbroken about it. I yeah, it you didn't was all, care about my trip.
1: But. Yeah, it was all in uh, good heart because I wanted to pick your brain about your trip a little bit, as I'm hoping Tom will too tonight, because um, we haven't really talked about your trip much.
0: No, not a lot. Um, so, Just shared a few pictures and that's about it.
1: Yeah, which we'll obviously use those for the cover art. Yeah. Um, so I guess you started this year. Were you
0: doing a little bit of fishing this year at the beginning? Um, I wasn't Mike, the guy that I worked for, Mike Vanstrom had some, he does a few fishing clients. He doesn't do a lot of it. <clears throat> so the day that I flew in to the village, there was a few fishermen coming in and all I did was just take them down river to the fish camp. And then I immediately left and went up river to start setting up our moose and bear camps.
1: Okay. So you weren't really working with as a fish guide. Right? No,
0: no, not at all. I was, all I did was take them from Eqwawk down to their camp and then I le- I so left. An Alaskan Uber basically. Exactly. That, I I get paid good money.
1: And so, five stars if you uh if you get yeah. in Frank's Uber boat. Yeah, exactly. Um, you should get a little Lyft or Uber sticker for the side of the boat. I'm sure. That I, would
0: be pretty comical.
1: Yeah. Pro- probably don't run much Uber out that way.
0: No, just pretty much none. Actually, exactly none. There is none.
1: So it starts with, like you said, all right, so you went up to camp, set up for Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, how long are you there before clients start coming in? And, like, what are you doing to set up camp? Because, uh, like, I mean, you're obviously way out in the bush. Yeah. But what are you doing setting up camp? Is it tents or, like, yeah, of you know, s- Yeah,
0: tent camping. Um, do you
1: guys have any of those caches out where you're at right now?
0: Yeah, we two of our camps have caches. And the one, like, main base camp uh, has a couple of cabins at it. And we don't, like, I don't run out of that camp at all. I'm just in and out of there from time to time getting supplies and whatever. That's, like, where the, our you know, our base camp is. And we'll be in there for a day or two at a time and then leave, you know, just supplying and whatnot while we're setting up. And then we go out to our other camps and set up those main camps. And then once in a while, not very often, we'll put out like, a couple of spike camps between the camps because they're all about an hour apart from like the base camp. The next camp up is an hour and then the next camp after that is another hour. So we'll sometimes we'll throw up a spike camp halfway between them just because you don't want to run, you know, the whole way back and forth burning gas in the boats every single day.
1: Uh, So that was a weird. Why do you have
2: safety glasses?
1: For safety. It's right in the name. Could get wild. Are we
2: getting dangerous tonight?
1: I work for a living, Uh, so. As do I. (laughs) Work with my hands, and I gotta protect my eyes because metal chips are flying everywhere.
0: Yeah, he wouldn't be able to run that computer so well
2: if he. See,
1: I I don't even run much of a computer anymore. I am. uh...
2: I meant the one you're sitting in front of right now. Yeah, that's. We're not throwing sparks in metal right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It it might depends on how much you want to make me think. Yeah. Uh, No, it's from work because I work for a living. Five days out of seven, and uh, I'm a foreman now by default because nobody else is there. So I'm my own boss. Nice. I make my hours as long as it's seven to three thirty, and yeah, that's why I have safety glasses. So. Thank you. Yeah. So Frank. Yeah. How many bear
0: hunters did you have coming into camp at the beginning? At the beginning, I think we only had two. Yeah, we had two, and the one guy actually left early, but he ended up coming back during moose season, so we'll talk about him a little bit more later, but uh, the other guy was actually in my camp, and he ended up getting a bear, and it was a pretty nice one. I think
1: He he got that early season, like before moose started?
0: Yeah, it it was in the early season.
1: I did want to ask, because I know personally from experience talking to you and your dad that the best way to kill a bear up there is to hunt off of a moose carcass, Mm -hmm. so that season that comes in before moose what did what's your guys's strategy for uh pursuing brown bear
0: you're either sitting on fishing holes because the salmon are running so they're all the bears are going to be down at the river you know looking for salmon or if you're not finding them down if there's like not a good fish run which we didn't have a great fish run this year then if you go up into the hills because it's it's not terribly far to get up into like some hills or if you want to call them mountains i guess you could call them mountains um then you can go up there and glass for them while they're laying around eating berries and stuff. So those are the pretty much the, the only two ways. That or will like just drift out of camp. You know, in the boat, you'll just drift. Let the river take you down so you're dead silent. And you might come across one on a gravel bar crossing the river, you know, whatever, on the main river. Which you usually don't see them on the main river because of all the boat traffic. You got to get back into, like, the little... Side braids and the sloughs and stuff where the fish pile up, and that's where you'll find them most of the time.
1: Are you allowed to shoot the bear while they're in the water?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Is it? Are the most you're allowed to do that too, or do they have yeah. to cross? Okay.
2: No, you can shoot them in the water. Is no, it- there's. A, I don't know if it's Pennsylvania or not, but you good?
1: Yeah, for now. Might not be in a minute, but I don't know
2: what state it is, but I know there's a state where you can't shoot white tail in water. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, it's multiple states. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if
1: it's multiple. Um, so they're not like taken off when you come down the river like that, or
2: you're not powering
0: down the river. Your motor's silent. You know you're not okay, running so. down the river. You're just letting the current take you down, so you're dead silent.
2: Now, do you like you see a bear? Then do you like coast to the bank, or do you just shoot him right from the boat? You can do either one. It's better to go over to the bank. I was so going to say you're... I feel like it'd be hard to shoot on a boat.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. So it's it's easier to get. Yeah, and you're not allowed to shoot while the boat is under power. So if I'm hitting the throttle, you're not allowed to shoot because then I can be putting you in the direction of the bear, and then it's an unfair advantage.
1: But you could theoretically throttle up, kill the motor, and then all of a sudden it's legal.
2: Mm, yeah, it, that's. i that's what unsportsman. You're doing. Yeah, unsportsmanly, like.
0: Yeah, so it's that. That's like a gray area. It's not really like. 100% spelled out so it's, it's best to just not even toe the line just not have the saying, motor the
2: juice is not worth the squeeze exactly on that one it is not not even a little bit but anyway how'd the uh bear hunting go well that
0: guy the guy that was in our camp uh <laughs> he ended up getting a
2: decent bear and it what, was, what is the decent bear I and, don't know what a decent bear is. An
0: eight-foot brown bear is a nice. And
2: bear. what is that t- weigh ish Honestly,
0: I have no idea. I mean, I would guess a hundred pounds. More than a hundred pounds. I would guess like six hundred pounds, five to six in that range. Probably six hundred pounds.
2: So that's a good bear. And what's like a like a, a
0: slob? Like a nine a nine footer is just a, like that's a that's a big bear. That's when you start going. That's a good bear.
2: That's like your
0: 170-inch whitetail. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, like we, the one guy that was there in the early season that left and came back, he ended up shooting one that was nine foot three, nine foot three or nine foot four, and it was a stud. Like when I, when I saw it, I because I I've seen quite a few bears, but I've never seen one over nine feet. And when I saw that one, I was like, whoa! Like that's that's a serious bear. And we've. Not, not me personally but this guy i know yeah <laughs> like with mike you know like brad got one a couple last year that was almost 10 feet and i can't even imagine what a 10 foot bear would look brad like. got it or a about guy 10 brad foot. was guiding okay. brad's uh client. client got it yeah what
1: i said you said i can't imagine what like a bear at almost 10 foot would look like and i said about 10 foot long huh
0: no, that's actually not the case.
1: Yes. Um, just out of curiosity to try and paint a picture in my head and our listeners' uh, head, what a roughly like from front quarter to hind quarter is a moose lengthwise. Do you know or no?
0: I don't know how long they are, but like how tall they are, they're about seven feet to their okay. shoulder. Okay, seven foot
1: to the shoulder. So if you understand how big a moose is, add two foot to that basically so it can and that's like,
0: not like when you're talking about the size of a bear like if someone says they shot a six foot bear or a 10 foot bear that's not how tall it is you don't measure bear by height you measure after they're skinned out you measure from the tip of their nose to the tip of their tail and then you measure from their claw tip to their claw tip and that's how you get the measurement you take that it's a square measurement so if it's 10 feet a claw tip to claw tip and 10 feet nose to tail that's a 10 foot bear
1: so you're taking like the average of the yeah two? yeah okay that is a way better way to explain that because now yeah I, all right so yeah most take, people
0: don't understand like when you say oh it was a 10 foot bear they're like "That oh, was 10 feet
2: tall no okay
1: it, that's that's what was in my head
2: yeah i'm still uh, lost claw which claw to which claw like nose to tail their wingspan Okay, I like was thinking finger,
0: like, like if you hold your arms straight out at your no all yeah. the way out, your wingspan that's what okay, you're so measuring.
2: they go from the nose to the tail. Yep. they just cut out they don't even care about the legs. no, just the, okay yeah I, when you were saying claw tip to claw tip, I just I wasn't sure which claws Oh, were yeah. Front yeah the, the claw. front claws front yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. so now you know
0: that when someone says they shot an eight foot bear, it does not mean it was eight feet tall It would actually be almost taller. Yeah, I honestly don't know how if it was
2: standing up on its hind legs.
0: But they do grow because you have the skin off, so this you like you don't like stretch it, but you know it's Give it a it's sp- not a sp- taut. Yeah. Okay. Not even you, you. What you do is you just like pull on it to get it tight, and then let it go, and then when it like it'll relax a little bit, and that's your measurement.
1: Okay. 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 Cool.
0: I learn something every day. This is the kind
1: of things that why I didn't ask earlier. Yeah. Um, so now somebody else that knows nothing about this like me and tom Mm -hmm. now can understand it so yeah um what would you say is your favorite between like moose and brown bear moose thousand percent thousand percent moose yeah not even close
2: you're pretty good at calling them in Mm -mm. um you do any mm -hmm.
1: i do want there's a few different ways like calls versus like you know, store-bought calls, and then there's some homemade calls and stuff. Frank's
2: um, a coffee can and a string kind of guy, I
1: bet. Well, that's, that's what I was getting at, is, like, if you want to talk a little bit about... Now, we don't have any in studio tonight, so we can't do them through the mic, which yeah. is a shame. It is a real shame. Um, but do you want to talk about, like, uh, the process for, like, locating mo- moose and calling moose a little bit?
0: I mean, pretty much just look for really thick, nasty crap, and that's where they're going to spend all their time and
1: you guys don't do much calling
2: oh yeah yeah it's all calling okay well all right you're trying to call them out of the thick nasty all right so
1: explain like the different calling and stuff because i'm it obviously sounds way different than a whitetail
2: yeah
0: Um, uh,
1: but yeah just kind of explain that a little bit
0: well i mean you still have like your basic like if you have a cow call which it, it sounds more like an elk cow call than like a doe bleat it's not a bleat it's a long call and it's more of a moo if you will but not really Um,
1: that's where the name moose comes from
0: exactly i did not know that yeah so uh early in the season it's you do a lot of cow calling because they're not aggressive yet they're not rutting so you don't want to get too wild and start grunting at them and raking and whatnot early in the
1: season you have a 10 day season yeah so
0: they turn on it's like the flick of a switch
1: really yeah okay so it's
0: not like whitetail where you kind of like the peak rut. you have like, see it. Well,
1: yeah, you have like pre rut, peak rut, post rut. So, like, it's very I mean,
2: you still do have that, but when like when radar... peak ruts on, peak ruts on, yeah. And
0: like, towards the end of moose season is when it all of a sudden kicks on, and they th- their rutting activity is insane to watch. Like, they go absolutely nuts. But before that, if you should, like, if you have a, a bull that's not rutting. And you have you're making like ruddy sounds, they don't you know, they don't really respond to it well. They it that's why it's best to go with like a cow call so they can locate a cow and like, okay, so as soon as she's ready and I'm ready, then we can get this going, I know where she's at.
1: So you're you're pretty much waiting for the moose. To kind of give you the signal that the rut's ready to, like, the rut's on. Yeah,
0: and you can still call them effectively before the rut. Well, you I'm, just change yeah. how you That's call That's what I'm saying.
1: You're waiting for the actual moose to start sounding ruddy and acting ruddy before you start getting that aggressive style. Yes, correct. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which, when you get more aggressive, you're... You do, like, a harder grunts. So, like you can grunt, like, soft, because they're, like... They're like turkeys. You know, if you listen to turkeys walking around, they're always putting, you know, they're always making some sort of sound, even when they're not calling, you know, if you get close to turkeys, they're always making noise.
1: Yeah. Whether it's just like little clucks. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And uh, moose are the same way. Like if you're really close to them, they're always making some sort of like light grunt or something like that. It's not like an aggressive one that they're like, okay, it's time to fight, but They're always making noise. So if you do like the louder grunts and you start raking really hard, like because they just rake their antlers and stuff, then that's a more aggressive way of calling, like in the rut.
1: Now, are you calling like compared to other animals? It's more like like turkey when it comes to like you're doing a lot of calling versus whitetail, where you might just do a few grunts or rattles. Yeah, you're
2: doing a fair bit of calling with moose. Gotcha. Now I've seen videos of people just doing. Straight vocal, no call, mouse moose calls. Yeah, that's pretty much how everybody does it. All right, so let's hear your best remdition. No. Of a, just one, we, we one agreed grunt. long
0: ago to not do calls on the podcast. I don't. I didn't
2: sign that.
1: You didn't have to. It's recorded. Yeah. Way back when. Yeah.
2: Just, just to grow. Nope, not doing it. So uh, the viewers want it, and so like the it's main listeners.
1: Nobody
0: views it.
2: So the main
0: call that you're going to. Sorry, want,
2: guys. <laughs> These he, no fun. If this video gets five likes it's and three a, shares.
1: literally not a video.
2: <laughs> if this post gets five likes and three shares or more, Frank said he'll do a grunt next podcast. Okay. So what was I
0: start? Oh, yeah. The, the main
2: call that you're going to want,
0: Colin Moose, is a stick with an empty oil container, a quart oil container on the end with the end of it cut off. And you just stick that on the end of the stick, and that is your main moose call. Is that your rake? Yeah, that's the rake. And it, there, nothing sounds more like a moose's antlers than a quart jug.
1: Besides moose's antlers.
0: <laughs> it's pretty much exactly the same. That's wild. Yeah, it is wild.
1: So you just rub that up against the bushes and trees and stuff?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. You're not ginger about it? You just it go depends. to town? It depends. And, and peak rut. In peak rut, you're, you're tearing it up, man. You're
0: going nuts. Going hard in the paint.
1: So is it like Mobile One, Pennzoil? Like what, uh, Is there a certain one that works best?
0: Brad does not like penzoil ones. I don't I don't know why he didn't really give me an answer, but he had a penzoil one, and he wouldn't use it. He was like, I, I, this one's just not right. I, I need a different one. So he put together, I, I don't remember. I think it was a Mobile One that he put together. Valvoline? It may have been a Valvoline. I think it was Valvoline, not mobile One. But he wasn't digging the pens oil at oh. all.
1: Wonder if it's in the plastics.
0: I wonder. I'm not a plastics
2: guy, so I don't know.
1: Never mind. Tom, you sell ink. What about plastics?
2: <laughs> no, just not, not even close to the same. Toner and ink, man. Drums, machines too. If you're you a musician, now. No. no. I mean, um, tiss Drums for the toner. Mm-hmm. Toner talk. You, you guys not understand. Wouldn't Way above you guys. Maybe Way can, above my pay grade.
1: You could let the listeners know we'll do toner time with Tom. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't, yeah, probably not.
1: <laughs> All right, well, we won't do it then.
2: Unless, unless that's what the listeners want.
1: I don't think so. Do you know what the listeners do want, though?
2: A grunt call.
1: No, that's not even that. Um, I got a little bit from Frank, but Frank had, first off, we posted a while back, Frank picked, picked up a new pistol. Yeah, for his trip to Alaska. So tell us about the pistol um, just real briefly. I know it was on our Instagram, um, but then you almost got to use this pistol. I did, and it was, so it's a pistol build...
0: that I really never want to use.
1: Exactly. So build the suspense up with talking about this pistol and lay it all out there.
0: So it's a Smith 329 PD air light, super, super light, really packable pistol, and it's strictly for it's a defense gun. If it's a last resort thing, I the only reason I would be shooting this is if something was about to be chewing on me. You prefer that over bear spray? Believe it or not, yes. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's wild, but it is what I prefer. So we had a guy in camp shoot a bear, and I got called to go down. It was in a different camp, and so I went downriver to go help him track, and we're following blood for quite a ways. It was, it wasn't a great hit, and we're following a little bit of blood, and we can hear it up ahead of us a little bit. And you know, we're getting closer and closer, and it's like, okay, it's it's pretty close. Like the the noises are loud. It's thrashing up there. It's just so thick, big, nasty in there. But yeah, you can't see more than a, a few feet in most places. So I'm hearing it, and I'm like, it sounds like it's only about twenty yards ahead. So about five yards in front of me there's a little crick and then you know that's a couple yards wide and then a few yards past that is where I think I'm hearing this bear and I'm trying to look you know but it's so thick you can't really see anything so I like step up onto a log and like look around this bush and as soon as I stepped and looked around I thought I saw the bear and I pulled my gun up and then it turned and looked right at me and I saw its face and I was like oh man it was you know not it was under 15 yards it was right there and that's a lot closer than you want to be to a wounded bear in a bunch of really thick stuff so as soon as i saw its face turn towards me i pulled the hammer back and i was about to let one fly and it just took off running so it wasn't like i was in danger per se but it definitely got the heart up when i had to pull the hammer back and that thing turned and looked at me it was pretty wild
1: yeah crazy that you You've been to Alaska a few times. Mm-hmm. You just bought this pistol this this year for yeah. Alaska and almost made it bark.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was close.
1: That's wild. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, that's that's literally the only and I wouldn't even call that like a close call, but it's the closest call I've had with a bear.
1: Do you know any of the guys you were in camp with like the other guides that have had like real close calls to bears or when they had to use their last resort?
0: Uh, not like super close calls, but like my dad's had them charged before, you know, after they're hit and you know they're coming. Well, at yeah, them.
1: sometimes they will come yeah. towards you when mm-hmm. you shoot.
0: Yeah, especially like if you're on a moose kill and they're protecting it, they don't want anything else taking it. And if they get shot, they take it as an insult. You're trying to steal their their moose kill, so they they want to protect it. So yeah, they've they've I know a few people. I think. I don't know if Brad has. I think he has, but, you know, they, they, they've they had them charged before, but it's never been like it died right at their feet, or, you know, I've never known anyone that's been attacked by anything. So Gotcha.
1: Well, and, and because they're in season, it's not like you have to wait until they're yeah. chewing on your boot to get yeah, the shot. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it reminded me when you said that, like, they, they're very protective over their kill if they kill a moose or something. Mm-hmm. Um, is it true that uh, you kill a moose, and you get up to it, and a bear's on it. It is now the bear's, correct?
0: What do you mean?
1: Um, Like, so you shoot a moose, and it runs off, and you're tracking it. You find it, and a brown bear's on it. Like, is it... I, I could have swore that there was, um, like, elk and stuff. Like, if bears get to your elk, like, it's theirs now. Like, you pretty much... You aren't allowed to tag it, you yeah. mean? Yeah.
0: I don't know honestly i don't know if that's a law in alaska
1: i mean i guess because the brown bear in season mm-hmm. you could shoot it but it doesn't yeah, and necessarily that's, mean
0: that's like what we tell people like Get if your you're combo. no no not even that but like if you are a combo hunter or if you're a bear hunter going to somebody else's moose kill that we always say you might kill a bear that you're not happy with like you might have to shoot a bear that's not as big as you want. Like, if you want a 10-footer, you might have to shoot a 7-footer because if we walk into this moose carcass and that bear wants to keep it and it's not going to let us walk away, then you have to shoot it. If it's going to come after us, you're shooting it. That's your bear.
1: Okay, so break that down a little bit. So, like, it's kind of a crazy concept. So, like, you're saying, like, the bear, once the bear sees you or something, like, on, like, if you're hunting a carcass and a bear comes in, Once that bear knows that you're around, you've pretty much, you're locked there. And if you try and leave, the bear's like...
0: No, not necessarily that. Like, a lot, like, if a bear hits a carcass, what we'll do is, like, you'll just go, like, check it in the morning. Because usually they're on it. Like, once they claim it, they pretty much won't leave. Yeah, they won't go very far from it until they're done with it. They'll sit there and eat until they're half dead. Like, they'll be throwing up and, you know, they just gorge themselves with it. So they're usually right there. So what we'll do is like go to it in the morning and check it, go to it in the evening and check it and just wait for that bear to be there. Sometimes we'll you'll do like all day sits on it, but a lot of the times hunters don't want to sit all day, they'll just go check it in the morning and the evening. So if you walk into it and the bear doesn't leave or like if it's a bear that you don't want and you go to leave and it's, you know, hey, <laughs> it's trying to charge you then at that point, well, it's either you take a smaller bear or you lose your life. Take a pick. So that's kind of what we say. Is, and you just
1: let people know that ahead of time, like, yeah, if it always... goes
0: bad, that's your bear. Doesn't matter how big it is. If it's going badly, you have to shoot it.
1: And I mean, obviously, your guide's going to be the one that just decides. Yeah. Hey, this is going to go south here real soon if you don't take this shot. Yeah. Like, do they? Like, does their body language kind of let you know? Yes, that, very much. Like, I, I, obviously, it's you're not You're never...
0: Like, it, it, yeah, if you walk in to it, they're either going to leave immediately or they're, they're... It's not like... They don't usually bluff very much on something like that because usually if something else is coming into their moose kill, it's trying to take it. So they,
1: like, usually you're not going to sneak into a bear on a carcass?
0: No, you can because a lot of times they're sleeping on it. They'll just be sleeping there.
1: And then do you have to wait for it to wake up, or can you shoot no, it while it's sleeping? No, you can
0: shoot while it's sleeping. They, I mean, they usually, they'll wake up when you get up there, because you're you're not going to fool a bear's senses. You know, they'll they'll know you're coming, and they'll wake up. So, oh,
1: really? Okay. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't know how far, like, what you how far you can see. Like, if you're...
0: It's usually, you know, 40 yards. It's not a far...
1: Deal. Oh, okay. So you're, like, going through the brush or timber or something, yeah, and then yeah. it's, like, you're right there, eye level, mm-hmm. at 40 yards of the bear. Okay. I, did, yeah. I thought, I didn't know if it was, like... You're looking at a moose carcass that's 100 yards away. No, you.
0: you oh, there's very, very few places you can see that far unless you shoot it like on the river.
1: And you're like, wait, okay, I know. Yeah, saying.
0: then you can like sit on a gravel bar or across the river or something you can set up so that you're farther away. But if you shoot something like back in the brush in the willows, then you're just at the mercy of the kill site and have to walk yeah, in. Yeah,
1: like you said, you can't move it.
2: No. Which
1: right. oh. I don't think we've talked about that.
2: Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. But I got a question for you. So, the situation you are in, client shot the bear, hit it, and um, you didn't have tags, correct? Me? Yeah. No. So, but you're the guide or working for the guide. And you're tracking this wounded bear. Um, are you, since it is wounded and you know, you're working with a guy that has a tag, are you allowed to put the bear down? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because that client it's
0: not like i can
2: walk into that moose carcass and
0: shoot the bear and then right. give it to the guy if he puts a bullet in it at that point we can do whatever is necessary to get the bear down okay so you know if we had five people standing there and the client shoots
2: everybody else can start shooting to put the bear down even though they don't have a bear tag correct yeah okay. at that
0: point and you know we, you have to have a hunting license
2: right but which i'm assuming you do did have, have, a, have yeah
1: you have a hunting license as a guide but you not don't necessarily have the tags for yeah okay correct. i got what you're saying that makes sense yeah that's a good uh, question tommy
2: i try try try
1: try <laughs> so what would you say was your favorite event out of the 8 weeks you were gone
2: uh, there is there are some pretty good
0: ones like when i first got there
1: like could you narrow it to like a top 3 uh,
0: probably okay um the like the I was only there for like four days, and Brad and I were way upriver, and, and no, it was longer than that, because Brad's uh, client was about to come in. Okay, I'll get you a beer in a second. No, I'll just do it right now.
1: Do, 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 do. That wasn't uh, plugged audio, that was coming straight from these vocals, just so you have beautiful,
2: hold yeah. music.
0: Yeah,
1: it was. Now that Frank was rudely interrupted for beer, he's back. Yeah, I'm back.
0: Um, So, yeah, Brad was upriver at the farthest camp, and I was with him, and he had a client coming in that day, and I had to go downriver for something, which I had just to go one camp down, which is an hour, so I was going to go down there, which takes an hour, and then do whatever I was doing. I don't remember what it was, uh, but it wasn't going to take me long, and then I was going to be back up at the camp, so I was only supposed to be gone for about three hours total, and I get about halfway down to the, uh, the next camp and my boat breaks down. The fuel pump went, so I was stuck on the river there and Brad had a sat phone and I had an in-reach, which the the InReach was friggin' slick. I, I was all about the in-reach. That was the first time I've ever used one and definitely big time lifesaver. So, uh, my boss, Mike, had an in-reach, but he was in the village, which, is, which was about six hours from where I was at. And I couldn't get a hold of Brad because for some reason, I don't know if it's just the way the in-reaches work or if it was just this, the particular sat phone, but Brad had a sat phone, so I couldn't text him. It wasn't working. We tried it. It wasn't working. So I couldn't communicate with Brad. So I texted Mike, and I was like, hey, you know, boat broke. I need a hand. He's like, okay, well, uh, I'm in the village. I'll, you know, nearest I can be there is six hours. I was like, okay, well, I can't get a hold of Brad. So, and I guess Mike tried to get a hold of him. He couldn't get a hold of him. Or no, Mike was already, he like just left the village. Like, so he didn't have a phone anymore. He was just rocking his inReach. So I texted my dad back in Pennsylvania. This was before dad got up there. And I was like, hey, uh, call Brad's sat phone because he's expecting me back like any minute now. And I will not be back any minute. So give him a call and let him know. And so dad had to call Brad, let him know. And then Brad got his client and, you know, figured out what was going on with me. And I just got to sit on the riverbank for five hours while I waited for Mike to come get me. And then we towed the boat to camp. It was pretty nice.
1: So that was one of your favorite events. Yeah,
0: and tracking the bear was pretty cool. And then uh, right after we were done tracking the bear, we were walking back out. And um, we're going through the woods, and, you know, it's really thick, like I was saying. And I'm, like, looking up ahead of us, and I was in front of everybody. It was me, the client, and the client's guide. And I'm looking up ahead of us, and I see something. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I'm like looking, it almost looked like a bear's ass, like sitting on the ground. And so I was like, slow down, you know, like let's not go running up on this thing. And I keep looking, I couldn't figure out what it was. And finally I like leaned just right and I saw through the trees and I saw this big paddle sticking up out of the grass. And there was a dead moose there that a bear... You know found and had half buried and all that was sticking up out of it was like its ass and the one paddle
1: it like attempted to like cover it up
0: oh that's what the it's insane to see what the bears will do like if you have a moose carcass like one that you kill or one that you find literally like bigger than the size of this room like they'll tear out like a 30 by 30 like 30 yard by 30 yard area and just destroy the whole area dig everything up bury whatever's there like it looks like you took an excavator or bulldozer and
2: just destroyed the whole area it's insane to see what they do hide it from uh, how often are you finding moose carcasses that or is it car guy i think it's carcasses carcasses yes that aren't from a hunter is that is that a common find It depends on the time of year. In the spring, quite a few
0: because they like fall through the ice in the river and drown. Like in the springtime when the ice is starting to go out, they think they can still walk across and they'll fall through. Um, In the fall, it's not so common. Uh, A lot of times, what you'll see is just like somebody else on the river wounded one, and they never found it and it died. Or you know, sometimes the bears do kill them. Usually, they they don't kill big healthy bulls obviously bears are
1: kind of opportunists. where they're not gonna they're not gonna go wasting a bunch of energy trying to take down a moose yeah exactly they'd rather go eat fish if they can't find a dead moose yeah
0: exactly and like in the springtime there's all kinds of I shouldn't say all kinds but there's quite a few dead moose just winter kill moose that the bears will come out of their dens and find first thing in the spring so that's an effective way to hunt them in the spring but but yeah, that was a pretty cool experience walking through the woods and finding... It was a huge bull. It was a 65-inch bull. had really wide, long paddles, nice brows. It was It was a really, really pretty moose. Wow. And my dad's client actually ended up killing a bear on that moose carcass that I found.
1: And then, didn't you say something about... He tagged the moose? Because, like... Or no.
0: Yeah, he ended up taking that moose, the, just the antlers home, and uh, you just put it on the hunt record that... Yeah, you because know, it was after the moose season... That uh, and he never killed a moose, so you're he, at that point he can just put the tag on, it and then you put in the hunt record that that's what happened. So it's not like it doesn't look like you, you just. have took to the document armor. it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh,
1: that's um, that's cool that they have that kind of system in place.
0: And we didn't even know that at first. Like, Mike had to call the game commission and was like, "Hey, you know, like this Here's guy. Here's the situation. Yeah, this guy. We you know we found this dead moose. This guy didn't kill one. Has a tag. What are we allowed to do here? And they're like, Yeah, he can just throw his tag on it and put it in the hunt record that that's what happened. So he's gonna like when he mounts his bear, he's gonna put the rack in, you know, a comp or put it so together he'd be like with
1: full size bear.
2: But yeah, a lot of people do full size bear mounts. That's insane.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When you're paying twenty thousand dollars for a bear hunt, you know, it's gotta a couple be. An- thousand it's gotta
1: It's got to be north of five grand to do a full body. Oh yeah, for
2: sure. Like yeah.
1: Do you know rough estimate or no?
2: It's more than five
0: grand. I think it's like seven or eight, and it does depend on the size of the bear. Like if you shoot a seven footer, it's different than ten foot, so it varies quite a bit depending on the size of the bear.
1: Now, because bear varies so much, it's not like a whitetail that you're getting mounted. Do you know? I guess this would be more of a question for a taxidermist. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Okay.
0: Anything you're about to ask that has to do with forms and taxidermy? That literally was um, where I was
1: going, was forms because yeah. it varies so much. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I
2: feel I like there's know a do no mouth of... open costs more. Yes, it does.
1: We'll go back to your $20,000 hunt. Somebody's probably not worried about the $75 upcharge for <laughs> mouth.
0: <laughs> Could be 125 depending on the taxidermy. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, I guess you were gone for eight weeks. Like, what's it like being totally disconnected from the world civilization. Like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that, like, you came back to in the world in the news and everything. So kind of give us that take where, like, you know, you were totally unplugged from the world for two months, which mm-hmm. that's a long time. Yeah. When you think about the average Especially person.
2: Especially this year. So much shit's happened this year. Yeah, it's well, insane. That, you, you missed the, the whole baseball season, basically. I know. The,
1: the, uh, the average person spends four to six hours a day on their cell phone. Yeah. So you... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's an accurate. Mm-hmm. Four to six hours a day? <laughs> a day.
2: Yeah. How is that? So you sleep for eight, you're on your phone for six, that's 14, so you got 10 hours, you're at work for eight.
1: A lot of people spend a lot of time on, on their phone at work. Yeah. Some time overlaps there. Yeah. But I'm just like, that's a lot of time. So like, you got to think. I uh, average
2: just over an hour. I get a weekly update.
1: So yeah, so you're way under. And usually I'm writing like two to three. Um, but anyway, so you got to think like people are so connected to everybody else constantly. That's where I was getting at with that stat Yeah, was that like everybody's constantly connected, um, with whether it's Snapchat or social media or texting. Um, and then you totally unplugged from that for eight weeks. So like Mm -hmm. talk about like the, almost like the sensory overload coming back into civilization after that amount
0: of time yeah i mean this year it was a little bit different because i did have an in reach so i was able to like text i texted you a couple of times just to yeah i mean say, probably
1: like eight times
0: yeah just say hey you know how's the podcast going what was the topic this week and you know that was it and it's a pain in the ass to text on those things it's, it's like
1: going back to an old flip phone right
0: even worse than an old flip phone it's like a keyboard that you have to pan through each letter yeah, it it's great so it's a pain to text on so i you know, didn't talk much. I texted my mom a couple times, texted my sister a couple times just to say, hey, you know, how's it going? No text. Old Tom.
2: Tom, you know I love you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nick was getting them, your dad, your mom, your sister. I'm sure Sam got one. Sam did not. Oh. So,
1: we'll so you back. and Sam can hang out. So, so on Yeah.
2: So I did have the in-reach.
0: So I was able to just... Talk to people once in a while, which is that's the first time I've been up there that I've had that luxury. But still, I didn't talk about, you know, what's going on in the world. You know, what happened in the news today.
1: What new songs were released? Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, that was a big one. So it was about. I know which one you're referring (laughs) to. Yeah. So Cardi B.
1: Yeah, we're that's as far as
0: we're gonna go with that. Yeah, we don't need to start singing that song. So I was up there. for about four weeks before four or five weeks before my dad and a couple other of the guides got into camp. And when they got into camp there, you know, I think Brad was like, so what's going on in the world, you know, with, you know, riots and whatnot, because, you know, people have been rioting all year. And the one guide is from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm. And he's like, oh yeah, they're burning the city down. And we're like, like, what happened in Kenosha? Because we had no idea that happened, you know, after I left. I Yeah, and they're like, oh, man. And then he started filling us all in on what happened in Kenosha and how they're burning that city down. We're like, Jesus Christ. And, you know, they just were filling us in on all the stuff that you miss. And that was only, you know, in four weeks that we were gone. And, you know, then four weeks after that, you know, we get out of the bush and see what else we missed. It is definitely wild to come back and see everything that happened in the world while you were disconnected. And like the best example of that, that I like my dad was in Alaska during nine 11. So he had no, So he I,
1: flew into Alaska. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> on the way back out, little different. Like put and his, he put
1: his pistol and his carry on, on the way. in. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but he had to stay up there for like an extra month because of you couldn't fly so it's it is insane to see They're talking
1: about if they're ever going to open the airlines again (laughs) yeah it's
0: just crazy all the things that you miss out on and that you don't even realize like when you hear about certain things on a day-to-day basis like i don't pay attention to the news because i just get so sick of hearing the dumb shit all the time but like you always know about like i don't watch the news but i know about you know what happens in the different cities and you know different court cases and stuff like that that are all over there's somebody always
2: talking about it
0: yeah exactly so when you are completely disconnected from even conversation with people of, yeah. that know what's going on, even though you're not actively paying attention to it, you still know what's going on because you're talking to other people that know. But to go from just literally nothing, you're talking to only people that are out in the bush with you, then to get an outsider that comes in you know, after you or when you get back out of the bush, it's like, holy shit, like... I missed a lot of stuff. And you don't even realize it all happening if you're there and connected. But when you're gone for two months, it's it's pretty eye-opening, all the stuff that goes on when you're not always paying attention to it. I
1: bet. I can't say that I have that experience, but it's I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, is there much of an overload when it comes to like smells and like, hearing and everything? Cause, like, I feel, what do you mean? So, you know, like you step into a new house somebody like everybody's house has its own smell and uh there's like sounds of you know train tracks highways different things yeah, like yeah, happening yeah. Mm-hmm. when you step away like out into the wilderness like you're not getting all of those yeah, sense and like hearing all of these different noises and stuff like does the airport like almost like overload you when you first get back to civilization or not really
0: not necessarily i mean when when you get back into a city or like you get back home, the air definitely smells different. And You can totally like smell that there's cars and pollution and stuff that you don't you don't even notice it when you're in it every day, but when you're gone and then come back, it's like what ha- like what's going on? Like what am I smelling right now? It's like, no, that's that's just the air you're smelling. That's it. But noises, I mean, when you, I don't really notice that coming back because that's something that I'm just conditioned to hear all the time just, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you go away from it, into the silence, out in the bush, that's when you you notice it going that way, but you don't notice it coming okay, back so out.
1: that first few nights, mm-hmm. going to sleep and stuff, when it's mm-hmm. totally, because even even if at my house, I live two miles from the interstate, yeah, and I, we are a mile from the interstate. Sorry, um, you still get highway noises. Oh, yeah, um, at my house, and you've got. Not an interstate, but you have a pretty busy road just up here. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't realize it because you're sitting, you live here. Yeah. But there's sounds that come from that that you've just become accustomed to.
0: Yeah, and you're almost deaf to it. You don't even notice it until... So I'm
1: sure that, yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense. It's probably more profound getting to Alaska and there's... Yeah, Now there's nothing.
0: Yeah, and pretty much the only sound you hear is the sound of the river going by all night long. That's literally the only sound.
1: Do you feel like any of your senses are heightened... Um, while you're in Alaska for that long, like if anything, no, not really, like I didn't know if like you'd be like,
0: I'm so in tune with nature already. Nick. Well,
1: that's, I, I was just curious if there Frank was like,
0: is the woods. I, yeah. I am. I just woods.
1: didn't know if like for, cause like eight weeks is a long time and yeah. humans in all species adapt very, very quickly. Quick, yeah. So I didn't know if there was anything you noticed where like your hearing was heightened or anything like that. Just like
0: my eyesight changed, got a little bit better cause I wasn't looking at my phone ever. Really? Yeah. Hmm. but i mean that's not really that's just something that i mean, yeah, I, mean I have really kind of, good adapting, eyesight kind of. i have really good eyesight as it is but you know if you're staring at your phone or a tv screen or a laptop all the time strains it, them yeah and then going without that you you notice that but that's really the only thing that i never I really say. thought of
1: that but yeah hmm. yep is there Too any well. uh Final remarks about Alaska your experience before we wrap things up here?
0: No, it was, we had a really good season. We killed eight. Yeah, I guess, people.
1: yeah, give us the stats on the season. I, you, I know you were just doing that, but...
0: Yeah, I'm glad you interrupted me to tell me to do it. Yeah. That's like that's one of my biggest pet peeves, like when you're already doing something and someone's like, hey, go do that. I, At I that point, I'm like, you know what, I'm not doing it. Just because you told me to do <laughs> it...
1: I was more saying that so the listeners knew that this is what was coming.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I knew what you were doing, but... I want to say we had, we had 12 moose hunters, definitely had 12 moose hunters, and we got 8 moose. So we were 8 for 12. And bear hunters...
1: That's
0: 66.6%. Yes, it is.
1: When 40% is the success rate on guided hunts. Yes. Just for, uh, if you're looking to do a moose hunt, Lasca Lead Outfitters is 26.6% repeating above average. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it...
0: Can't go wrong. So bear hunters, I honestly don't know how many bear hunters there were because it's tough to keep track of bear hunters when like during moose season because some guys are combo hunters, some guys are just moose hunters, some guys are just bear hunters. So um we probably had between the early season and moose season, I think we had 11 to 13 bear hunters and we got 9 bears. So it was a pretty solid season. The one guy actually got two bears and that was uh that guy was actually going for a super slam. He was working on completing his super slam with a bow.
1: I hope you can get him on a podcast because yeah, I'm really hoping about he's unless ha, do you have you talked to him?
0: Not yet. I I when I I talked to him, you know, in camp. Yeah, we don't. I don't want to give any
1: names away because if any other podcasters listen, I don't want them trying to like reach yeah. out to this guy. But he is one animal away from the North and he American may have super it done Club. by yeah. now. Which Last, animal?
0: When he got into camp, he had two left. He needed to get the brown bear and a barren ground caribou. And he was there in the early season, had to leave, didn't get a bear, came back during moose season, shot a moose with his bow, which he had already shot, but he wanted to get the moose down so he could hunt on the carcass. Ended up getting two brown bears with his bow. One was about an eight and a half footer, and one was like nine foot four. They were both phenomenal bears. And. So I talked to him quite a bit, you know, as much as I could because I wasn't in camp with him. I was back and forth between camps and doing different things. So I got to talk to him a little bit, but not as much as I really wanted to. I wanted to pick his brain a lot more about it and just hear his stories because I'm sure he's got a lot of them. But uh, he needed to get the brown bear, which he ended up getting. And then as soon as he left our camp, he was going somewhere else in Alaska to hunt the barren ground caribou.
2: And that's his last animal.
1: So, and so it's what, all the tell,
2: tell the guys, what is the Super Slam?
1: North American Super Slam.
2: Yeah, it's
0: all of the deer.
2: It's 28 species. Just it used to be 29. 29,
0: but you're not allowed to hunt Quebec Labrador caribou anymore.
1: But he has. Yeah, he his. already
0: has it. So he's going to have the full 29 animal Super Slam. Uh, but it's all of the caribou, all of the moose, all of the bears, all of the deer. Including polar bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mountain lion, and all the sheep. Turkey. And, no, the turkey aren't on it. Turkey aren't considered part of that? Nope. They're, They're... not on the Super Slam.
1: Huh. I bet you he has, but
0: yeah, like, I don't know. I'm just
1: thinking most people that have killed everything else probably have killed some turkeys in their day, Yeah, but I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, so I, I do need to call him. I meant to call him the other day, but I forgot about it. Uh, I do need to call him because I was talking to him quite a bit, and I told him, I definitely would like to hear from you to see if you got your caribou and if you didn't please stay in touch with me because i want to know when you do finish it because that's such an insane feat to do with a bow i mean
1: that's such an insane
2: feat to do in general yeah with a know, gun. Liked,
1: well that and just to, just to give you an idea of like you know a moose hunt is 20 grand a sheep hunt is 40 <laughs> grand there's yeah. four sheep in this list yeah like it's like it's. For a lot of people, it's not obtainable. No, it's there's very
0: few. So it's you really shorten the pool up just based on monetary based on, value. on yeah,
1: price. But even if you take price away, even I mean, these are all free range yeah. hunts and stuff. So, so they're like, not guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, he's what was it was like the early eighties is when he started like documenting
0: the, this. Yeah, the late eighties.
1: So I mean, you're talking
0: thirty some years. Thirty
1: some years, yeah, that he's been after this. Like that's dedication. There's a lot of people that don't put that much time into a career, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I mean, like it'll be really cool to talk to that guy if we can work that out. Because yeah,
0: even if we can't get him on a podcast, I I just I'm pushing am really for looking podcast. forward to talking to him. You know, he's just he's a super interesting guy, really nice guy, and I, I had a lot of fun talking to him. What little bit I did get to talk to him. So I guess that was probably like the highlight of being up there is not even anything hunting related it was just talking to him and hearing his a couple of his stories and he, he really really intrigued me with what he's doing so we're
1: starting it right now frank is
0: after his north american super slam no i am not so
1: you've
2: got a white tail a black bear
0: that's all that's all i have on the super slam
2: you ever got a squirrel with your bow That's That's not part of the Super
0: Slam.
1: That's the uh, Let Fly Squirrel Slam.
2: No,
0: They're easy to confuse.
1: And I only know one guy that's even close. Uh, He's after the White Squirrel. And once he does that, he'll be done. In my opinion,
2: that's a
0: bigger feat than the North American Super Slam.
2: The Let Fly Squirrel Slam?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Let Fly Squirrel Slam
1: is, uh, as far as I know, there's never been anybody to complete it. Um, And I know one guy that's in pursuit right now. Yeah.
0: They document it pretty carefully.
1: So, just a, a thought. Yeah. But, well, Frank, because this episode was all about you, and you did a lot of what we preach on the uh, White Cat Outdoors podcast, so I'm going to let you close us out here. Um, we're glad to have you back. Uh, Tom was a little rough leading us in. I'm just kidding. Tom did a great job.
0: No, I, I listened to him when I was in the airport yeah, Tom, on the way home. Uh, I listened to the in podcast In all seriousness, Tom missed. did a
1: great job um bringing us in but we're glad to have you back uh where we like you so go ahead and close us out there
0: yeah no i'm I'm really glad to be back i definitely missed the podcast that's that's the only reason why i sent nick any text messages it wasn't because i care about him it's because i cared about the podcast so don't feel too bad tom mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I really miss being here i've missed bringing us in every week and i'm really really glad to be back and i'm looking forward to the next whatever 47 weeks until i'm gone again so around episode what would that be up around 83 83 uh when i'll be tuning back Is out that right? again that so was just i just quick maths
1: it wouldn't be 83 because it's 52 <laughs> weeks in a year
0: what? it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um but yeah i i'm really looking forward to being here you know the rest of the time until i'm gone again so until that time make sure you guys are getting outside